Can I encourage you to keep your Bibles open at uh, that page? Uh, my name's Peter. Uh, I'm the evening pastor, but great to be here this morning uh, with you. If I haven't met you yet, I do hope I have the opportunity after the service. Uh, as you can see from that passage, it's all about prayer. And we're going to be exploring what it means to talk to God uh, for the next little while this morning. Is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? Well, in this passage, Jesus gives us a lot of help. I wonder if you could ask God just one thing, one thing, and he gave it to you. What would you ask for? What would you ask for? Well, before we start going any further at all, let's talk to God now. Let's pray. Father God, here we are again, gathered together at church, hoping to hear something that will make a positive difference in our lives, a word from you. As we explore what Jesus taught his disciples about prayer, please help us to understand it and help us to take it on board and put it into practice in our daily lives because we know that 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 is going to bring glory to you and it will bring great benefit to our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Or when we read passages like this, uh, especially with a well-known section like the Lord's Prayer, it's easy to kind of skim over and miss important details. So look at it with me right from the first verse. When the disciples asked their question in verse 1, what was Jesus doing? Praying. He was praying. So point number one, if you are a note taker, great thing to do. Point number one is this. Jesus is our example when it comes to prayer. He's our example to follow. I even changed my clothing just quickly in the song. Jesus is. He's our example. There, I've already finished the sentence. I don't know what the rest of the mission is going to be about, but hope it'll be good. And if you skim back just through Luke's gospel, there's so many examples. At his baptism, he prayed and the Spirit came down like a dove. As his ministry got busier and busier, he would withdraw and pray. Uh, Before choosing his 12 special followers, his apostles, he prayed all night. Imagine that. When uh, he sent them out to do ministry and they returned, he was overwhelmed with joy and and gave thanks to God. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we looked at that transfiguration where he took three of his disciples up to a mountaintop and prayed again at the Last Supper, just hours before the cross. We see him praying, giving thanks to God for the bread and wine. Only a few hours after that, in Gethsemane, he prayed with such anguish, his sweat was like drops of blood. And even on the cross, as he died, he prayed to God, his Father. Throughout his whole life, Jesus, the Son of God, spoke regularly to God, his Father. Here's my question. Do you think we need prayer any less than Jesus? Do you think we can live our lives to God's glory with less prayer than than he undertook? Friends, we pray because Jesus prayed. He is our example. 
and in prayer we draw near to the living God, seeking his help, his wisdom, his guidance and blessing on all that we do. Now, when Jesus' disciples asked him in verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray, the lesson had already begun because Jesus was right there setting an example all along. And I think there's an implicit challenge for us here. Are we modelling the kind of Christian life we want others to live? For example, as a parent, it's really exciting when a child asks us about prayer or, or some other aspect of the Christian life. But do they ever catch us praying? Do they hear us thanking God or bringing our concerns to God in prayer or, or interceding on behalf of others? Although do they only just see that when we kind of have to pray at church? The most powerful lessons in life are so often caught, not merely taught. That said, it was common practice for religious leaders at that time uh, to teach their followers some sort of set form of prayer. Uh, John had obviously done it. That's why the disciples say, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus responds with what we now know and love and say together as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and if you're taking notes, this is kind of point number two, Jesus gave us a prayer to use. If you're ever stuck for words when you're talking to God, learn the Lord's Prayer off by heart and just say it. As I've been preparing for today, I've done that. And it's been interesting the number of times a particular line in the Lord's Prayer always is so appropriate for me at any given moment. Uh, it's great. He's given us a prayer to use. When you pray, say, and he tells us what to say. Now, some people argue whether it's a script to be prayed word for word or, or just an example of ideas, and we can kind of add lib building on it ourselves. Uh, it really is crazy the thing some Christians argue about when the whole half of the, the population of the globe is waiting to hear the gospel, isn't it? It really is. But the answer is it's both. Here in Luke, Jesus said, says, say this. Okay, it's a script. But in Matthew's account, Jesus says, pray like this. And it's an example of what to pray. And can I just say, prayer is not a formula. There's no magic chant that can somehow twist God's arm and, and get us exactly what we want. It doesn't work like that. Prayer is about relationship with God, not ritual. It's about connecting with the living God and expressing our heart to him, pouring out our needs, expressing our love for him, telling him how much we need him in specific situations, expressing our gratitude as we see him working in our lives, through our lives and for us. Now, we don't have the time to go into each little word and detail in this prayer. In fact, a few years ago, we spent 10 weeks Going through the Lord's Prayer, you dig out that uh, series and look at it if you want. But, but I want to pick out a few really uh, key things that uh, Luke brings out here. Jesus begins his prayer with Father. Dear friends, this is the unique privilege of the Christian, to call God Father. This is in vast contrast to the, the atheist who enjoys no connection to God whatsoever. 
Or the agnostic who knows God only as creator. Or other religions and sects who worship a great but distant God with names such as Allah or Jehovah or other names. Friends, the Christian can call God and knows God as Father because we know his Son, Jesus Christ, as Saviour. In Christ, our sins are washed away. We are reconciled back to God our Father and adopted as his children, and he gives his spirit to live in our hearts. And so we pray, Father. When our children were born, uh, we read the baby names book, actually just half of it because we had four girls. And um, maybe we're a bit old-fashioned, but um, we, we like to know the meaning of names. Well, in Bible times, names were hugely important. They sort of expressed the, the character or reputation of a person. So in the next bit where we say, hallowed be your name, what we're really saying is, you, God, are uniquely awesome. You're, you're beyond compare. You're amazing. At a practical level, level, let's not ever use God's name as a, a, a curse word. Or Jesus Christ as a swear word on our tongue. Rather, let's deeply desire that all people everywhere may know his name, call on his name, and live to glorify his name. That's why the next bit says, your kingdom come. What would it look like if God's kingdom was to come in your life? I'm glad you asked. Um, Here's what Jesus says about his kingdom. Uh, You know, if you kind of pack it all down, all the bits that he says, three main things. Seek God's kingdom more than anything else. Seek it more than anything else. Secondly, tell others about his kingdom. And some of you that know your Bible as well, you've probably got little Bible verses going through your heads as I say these things. And then for the Christian, as we look ahead... Remember that everyone who trusts in Jesus will inherit his kingdom forever. I was crew on a tall ship briefly many years ago. Pretty scary, actually. And um, when you're out at sea and you can't see uh, land at all, it's so important to navigate well. It would be so easy just to get blown this way and that by the winds, whatever way it was blowing, the the strong ocean currents pulling you side to side. And so I think many people's lives are actually like that, just getting blown along by whatever wind is strongest. The opening words of this prayer give us a clear identity to live by. We are children of God and we can call him Father. Not only that, they give us a purpose to live for. The coordinates of our hearts as followers of Jesus are set for his eternal kingdom. And everything in life now is weighed in the light of our eternal home with him. Now the next part reminds us that everything we have in life is a gift from God and that we need to trust him for our needs. Give us each day our daily bread. 
Now, at a practical level, saying grace before meals is a good way to do this, reminding ourselves and thanking God. Now, the wording of uh, the prayer that Jesus gives us emphasizes the, the daily nature of this kind of prayer. God wants us to enjoy an, an ongoing relationship. It's not kind of like, give us all we need for 2018 and we'll check in with you in another year, God. doesn't work like that. And then we need to recognize that, uh, that sin is our problem and God is our solution. Sin is what separates us from God. But in Christ, God has reconciled us to himself. And so the children of God are forgiven people and forgiving people. Forgive us our sins. That's the, that's the great bit, isn't it? And then comes the challenge. As we forgive everyone who sins against us. As we were challenged a few weeks ago, even our enemies, even our enemies. And lastly, Jesus wants us to recognize that when we are weak, God is strong. Lead us not into temptation. I think the Apostle Paul might have been reflecting on this part of the Lord's Prayer when he wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to all mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. How much heartache would be avoided in our lives if instead of dabbling in sin and placing ourselves in compromising situations, we fervently prayed this part of the Lord's Prayer. Well, so far we've seen that Jesus is our example of prayer. Jesus has given us a prayer to use. And lastly, he knows we all struggle with prayer. So point three, if you're taking notes, Jesus encourages us to persevere, to stick at it. And he does this with a story. Now, in those days, hospitality was very important, as it still is in the Middle East. Uh, if you've seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, just picture all the scenes with lots of people and lots of food. During uh, the daytime, the doors are open. Anyone's welcome and we'll treat you well and we'll feed you up and fatten you up. But, you know, once nighttime comes, the doors close. No one's welcome. We're trying to sleep. This story is set at midnight. Everyone's in bed. The kids, verse 7, he says, are in bed with me. Probably means it was not a very big house uh, and probably one big room. Uh, It's likely probably a few uh, family animals as well. All, you know, sleeping away, snoring away. So what is a loud knock on the door going to do? Wake everyone up. It's midnight. Ah, but an unexpected visitor comes. And the man in the story is caught unprepared to bless his guest with a meal after a long journey. This is a shameful situation. There was no 7-Eleven open 24-7. 
where you could get a few essentials. So he goes to his friend's home and knocks. One of the translations actually uses the phrase, he knocks with shameless persistence. Oh yeah, that's better, isn't it? Microphone picks it up pretty well. And how does the friend respond in the story? He's not impressed, is he? But as he persists on knocking, he ends up getting up and gives him as much as he needs. In other words, take everything you think you're going to need until morning because I don't want to get up again. (laughs) What's going on here? What's the point that Jesus is making? Well, the man with the visitor, he is in a situation where he is totally dependent on his neighbour. So he doesn't stop asking until he's got a response. We see this kind of situation play out lots of times in life. It's like the little toddler in the stroller. Mummy, I want that toy. Mummy, I want that toy. Mummy! Totally dependent, can't get the toy without mummy, but just keeps persisting. Does anyone relate to that one? Yeah, okay. Um, We see this in the pea plate, a little bit closer to home for me these days. Dad, I need the keys to get to the party. Dad, it's already started, Dad. We see this in parents. How many times do I have to ask you to clean your room? I have used that one many times. We see this in all kinds of people, don't we? All over the place. And here's my question for us this morning. Does God see it in you when it comes to prayer? Does God see it in you? Do you talk to him at all? Do you really believe that he is able to help? Do you really believe that he wants to help? Do you keep asking him for your needs with Shameless persistence, to use that phrase. Jesus here is teaching and commending the person who expresses their total dependence on God through unceasing prayer. In that way, I guess prayer is a bit of a heart monitor. A lack of it could show that, well, I don't really trust God. Or maybe I don't really want something enough to just keep asking. The fact is, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this, that God often uses the very process of prayer to build godly character in his children. Now, verses 9 and 10, ask, seek, knock, A-S-K. It's, uh, it, it's great in English. It doesn't work like that in the Greek, but, you know, it's easy to read. Ask, seek, knock. Um, it, it might make God sound a bit like a vending machine if we just pluck that out of its context. Put the money in, press the button, and out pops whatever you want from God. But we need to keep it in context. And Jesus has just taught us how to pray and what to pray for. And now he's beckoning us to get on and pray for those things that he's just taught us. Ask and keep asking. Knock, seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. God wants us to pray with shameless persistence. And he will answer. And in his wisdom, he knows what we need most. And he tells that little story about dads. You know, dads, in our better moments, 
We know how to give good things, don't we? We can be thoughtful sometimes. We can surprise. We can even be generous. And our kids, they delight in what we've given. And, and we delight in their joy. But Jesus makes a strong contrast with the words, how much more will God give good things to those who ask? God's goodness and generosity is far greater than ours. He delights in answering prayer. He delights in providing our needs and often blesses us with many wants too. So ask, seek, knock. And the, th- the one thing that he promises here, there in verse 13, is to give us his greatest gift. I began with a question. What one thing would you ask God for if you knew he'd give it to you? The most important thing we could possibly ask for, according to Jesus, is there in verse 13. His greatest gift is himself. See how each person of the Trinity is involved here? God the Son, that's Jesus. God the Son promises that God the Father will give God the Holy Spirit to all who ask. That's his promise. That's the ultimate goal of prayer. Not to get stuff from God, but to get God himself. If we have God, friends, if we have God, we have all we need for this life and the life to come. God's spirit awakens us to our sin and our need of a saviour. God's spirit leads us to Jesus. God's Spirit enables us to turn from sin and to trust Jesus. God's Spirit assures us that we are indeed saved. God's Spirit guides us in life and shows us the truth through his word. God's Spirit gives us gifts to use in service of him and others. God's Spirit makes us more like Jesus by growing godly fruit in our character. God's Spirit empowers us to live lives pleasing to God. God's Spirit comforts us and counsels counsels us through all of life's ups and downs. And God's Spirit is a deposit in our hearts guaranteeing our eternal inheritance in heaven. Do I need to go on? If we have God by his spirit dwelling in our hearts, we have all we need for this life and the life to come. And verse 13 reminds us how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So my friends, Let's ask. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you know what we need before we ask. And yet you still call us to ask. So we will ask. We ask for such an outpouring of your spirit on us, each one, that we will hunger for the truth of your word, that we will be assured of your love for us, that we will seek to please Jesus in everything.
and that we will be filled with prayerful and sacrificial compassion for the lost in all the world. In Jesus' name, amen.